to the New Testament Setting Podcast, brought to you in conjunction with my YouTube channel, Biblically Correct. My name is Benjamin Browning, and we are going to be, hopefully, finishing up our talk about the history of the people of Israel as recorded in the Old Testament. What we've talked about so far is how... God has chosen a special people for himself. That's the people of Israel. God has made a covenant or an agreement with that people, has led them out of Egypt, has protected them, has given them their own special land. But God has also held them accountable to a specific set of rules or laws. And one of the most important of those laws is that they are to worship God and God alone. Not false gods, not all of these pagan gods or Canaanite gods or Egyptian gods, but instead they are to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, alone. And once they get into their promised land, they don't do a good job of doing that. In fact... Often, they fall short, they start worshiping false gods, God allows a, an enemy to come in and to punish them, and then they cry out in repentance, and then God delivers them from that situation. We left off last episode talking about the king of Israel, and that is King David. We talked about how You had King Saul, and then after King Saul, you have King David, and then King David has a son named Solomon. And Solomon's reign was really strong. He built the temple, but then he starts to turn towards pagan false gods. And God is going to punish him, but he's going to punish him in the reign of his son, not in his reign. So... Look forward to the reign of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam is a new king, and his father had been putting a lot of burdens on the people. And the people come to him and they say, Rehoboam, king, we will follow you. We'll follow you just like we followed your father. But please, there's all of these tax burdens and these work burdens on us. Please reduce these burdens. Now, this was a real opportunity for Rehoboam to respond by saying, I'm going to show you mercy, I'm going to show you grace, and that probably would have had the desired effect. Instead, he responds by saying, if you thought my dad put burdens on you, you have no idea how bad it can really get. So Rehoboam's response is a very harsh, I'm going to be even worse than my dad response, and their response was, Well, fine, we will make our own kingdom. So you have a civil war get started, and the kingdom is split in two. The southern kingdom, which from this point on is going to be called Judah, is made up of the tribe of Judah, which is David's tribe, and the tribe of Benjamin, which is one of the smaller tribes, but it's the tribe whose territory Jerusalem is in. So the southern kingdom, or the kingdom of Judah, is made up of Judah and Benjamin. And the northern kingdom is 
basically the other ten tribes. So the vast majority of the nation of Israel stays with the northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom is often, as a shorthand, just called Israel or the northern kingdom of Israel. So this might be where you start to get the distinction between Jews versus Israelites, where Jews refers more to those from Judah, from the tribe of Judah, or from the kingdom of Judah. But as we look at the situation, we have a split. We have the southern kingdom under Rehoboam, i.e. the descendants of David, and then you have the northern kingdom who is going to be led by a guy named Jeroboam, Jeroboam, and all of his descendants. So when we look at these kingdoms, it's important for us to understand that the southern kingdom tends to have a little bit better of a track record than the northern kingdom when it comes to its representation in the Old Testament. So the judge of a good king, as you look at uh, the book of First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles, the judge of a good king during this period is whether or not they led the people to follow the God of Israel or whether or not they allowed the people to worship false gods or to worship the God of Israel in the same way that they worship pagan gods. So to either worship false gods or worship the right God in the wrong way. So if a king does not lead his people in worshiping God in the proper way, then he's usually deemed as a bad king. And as you look at 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, what you really see here is you see um, these two kingdoms having separate paths where the southern kingdom of judah has some good kings that lead them towards the lord and they have some bad kings that lead them away from the lord but overall you kind of have this back and forth some good some bad they're kind of a mixed bag if you look at the northern kingdom you start to see the northern kingdom go off the rails very quickly now this starts during the reign of Jeroboam. Remember, that is the king that takes over when the kingdom split. Jeroboam realizes as soon as his kingdom gets established, he realizes that he has a problem. He has this independent kingdom of northern Israel, yet the temple, the center of Israelite worship, is in the southern kingdom in Jerusalem. So what he does is he sets up two places of worship, one in the northern part of the kingdom, one in the southern part of the kingdom. And these two places, he he puts these big calves there and these big temples, and he says, you can worship Yahweh, the God of Israel, by going and worshiping at these calves, at these temples. So again, worshiping the right God, kind of, in the wrong way not worshiping in Jerusalem, and using an idol in the process of this worship. So very early on, you see Jeroboam and his descendants trying to keep worship within the northern kingdom because they don't want to have to share this religious authority with the southern kingdom. 
So, over time, the story that we see recorded in the Old Testament is a story of continued religious decay in the northern kingdom. And not just religious decay, but a process by which the prophets of God, the, those who are speaking the truth of what God says, are being persecuted and harmed. And then false prophets who claim to be of the Lord are saying things that are not true. And over time, you see the wickedness of the northern kingdom gets worse and worse and worse. And they're making all these sacrifices to false gods and they're doing all of these evil things. And we see how bad it gets. And this is where the prophets start to come in. If you've looked in the Bible in the Old Testament, you see both major and minor prophets, which refers more to the length of how long they are in, in length, not really so much to whether or not they're important or not. But we look at the major and the minor prophets, and these prophets, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, and there's so many more, these prophets start to speak out against these harmful practices, these evil practices done in both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And what these prophets say, as you have kings um, who are leading people astray, or you have priests or false prophets who are leading people astray, what you have these prophets do is they say, turn. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn from these wicked ways, and you need to turn towards the Lord and repent. And you see a couple hundred years, a few hundred years go by where you continue to see these prophets pop up saying that people need to turn from their sin. The first real change that you have happen is in the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, they are going to continue in their sin. And God is going to promise that as a punishment for their sin, they are going to be taken over by the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were the bad, evil, like the big man on campus in the ancient world. And the Assyrians come in and they conquer the northern kingdom and they do this in a very brutal way. Now, that happens around 722 B.C. And they conquer the northern kingdom and they drag the, the descendants of the northern kingdom off and they exile them into the community. So a large portion of the population of the northern kingdom is killed, but then a lot of your upper crust, upper echelon people are then scattered across the Assyrian kingdom. Really, for the most part, never to return Again, you don't see a, a firm reestablishment of the northern kingdom. Um, you will see that with the southern kingdom when something similar happens to them. So that's what we see around 722 BC with the northern kingdom being conquered. But the southern kingdom, the much smaller southern kingdom of Judah, continues to kick around for another hundred or so years. Now remember, the southern kingdom is the kingdom that has some good kings. And again, the definition of good kings are those kings who lead the people in proper worship of the one true God of Israel. So the southern kingdom has some good kings, so they kick around for a little bit longer, for another century or so. 
But eventually, the wickedness of the southern kingdom is going to become so bad that God allows them to be punished as well. Now, they are punished by another kingdom, which is called the kingdom of Babylon. Now, the Babylonians will actually conquer the Assyrians, and after conquering the Assyrians, they are going to continue on down towards Egypt, and they are going to end up conquering the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, the southern kingdom of Israel, or Judah, now it's important for you to understand that this is not just a, they come in, they conquer them, and then it's over. It, there actually are three waves. They conquer them, and then there's kind of this, there's this period where they're controlled temporarily. They just have to pay tribute, and then they rebel, and then they get conquered again, and then they rebel, and they get conquered again. So you actually have multiple um, little invasions, and you have multiple occasions of them being forced to comply to the demands of tribute. But, eventually, they have one rebellion too many, and they are going to be conquered really once and for all. And that's going to be around 587, 586 B.C. Now, when that happens, the temple is going to be destroyed, the city is going to be uh, not totally destroyed, but really messed up, walls are going to be knocked down, and the ability of the kingdom of Judah to operate independently is ultimately eliminated. Now, after this destruction, after this attack, what's going to happen is a governor is going to be established there in Judah who is going to rule uh, some of the people, but the majority of the elite, this upper class group of people, are going to be exiled. They're going to be moved into uh, other parts of the Babylonian Empire. In fact, if you read the book of Daniel, it talks about um, some accounts of this, some stories of people who were moved into Babylon and forced to work for the king in Babylon. But what happens is you have a period of exile lasting roughly 70 years. There's this exile and you have a period where a lot happens. There are a lot of individuals who do different things, and you see some recording of this in terms of the book of Esther and the book of Daniel. But ultimately, during this period, within Israel itself, within the area that we know of as Israel, you don't have a lot of things recorded in terms of the Bible. But then, after about 70 years of exile, where a large portion of the people have been moved into areas of Babylon, eventually, you're going to have the return. Now, the Bible records really three waves of people coming back from Babylon. And the first wave really starts after Babylon is conquered. Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, is going to be conquered by another kingdom called the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Usually you just hear it referred to as the Persian Empire. Um, initially you hear it called the Medes and the Persians, but really 
Most of you hear of it in terms of just the Persian Empire. In fact, most of you who have heard of the Persian Empire think in terms of Alexander the Great, and you think in terms of the Battle of the 300 Spartans. That's what most people think of when they think of the Persian Empire. And it's the same Persian Empire. This Persian Empire conquers Babylon, and when they conquer Babylon, the king of Persia says, hey, we want all gods to be happy with us, so what we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, there's a powerful god in Jerusalem. How about y'all go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and make sacrifices to your god in my honor? so that I can make sure all of the gods, remember they're polytheists, so I can make sure all the gods are happy with me. So that's when your first wave starts. You have a group, goes back to rebuild the temple. A lot of opposition happens that you can see recorded in the book of Ezra, and but ultimately they're going to be successful in rebuilding the temple. Now, this is going to start a period where we often call it as a shorthand the second temple period because this is the second temple. You had the first temple under Solomon. It gets destroyed. After the exile, you have a second temple built. And that temple is going to exist until the Romans will later destroy it in the seven, around 6970 uh, A.D., it will be refurbished by Herod at one point, but it'll still be what we know as the second temple. So looking back at this, um, this return from exile, you have the first return, and then you have the second wave of return. Now, you can find this in the last half of the book of Ezra, and this is a return that's really just Ezra comes back and he tries to lead the people in a revival, in a religious, spiritual revival. Now, there's a lot we could say about this, and we'll probably do another episode about what happens, uh, but probably way in the future. Now, the third wave is under a guy named Nehemiah. Now, you can learn about this in the book of Nehemiah. I know, creatively named. You can learn about the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is a third part of the, a third wave, and this third wave's goal is to rebuild the walls of the kingdom of, excuse me, the walls of Jerusalem there in Judea. Now, he faces opposition as well, but ultimately he is able to build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, this is significant because now we see Jerusalem really being established, reestablished as a stable city um, at the center of this region of, of Judea, or formerly the kingdom of Judah. Now, this is really the end of the narrative section of the Old Testament. This is the end of the narrative for us. Now, you still have prophets writing um, in this period. You have, in the, you have several prophets writing during the period where these waves are coming back, but then you have some prophets um, who are going to write um, right after everything is reestablished. And you're going to see your final prophets around 400 uh, BC. Your final prophet of the Old Testament is going to write. And then the Old Testament stops. 
and we don't have anything else that is considered uh, by the Jewish people to be canon or authoritative from God. Now, you have some other books that are going to be written after this period, but those are not part of the Old Testament, and we will talk about those in another video. So, just to recap, as we look at the history of Israel, as recorded in the Old Testament, just to recap, let's look at it. We have the people of Israel are a special people set apart for God, the God of the universe, not one of many gods, but the one and only God. So you have Israel is set apart as his special people. He has a covenant agreement with this people. They have a side of this agreement. He has a side of this agreement. Ultimately, they do not keep their side of the agreement. As a result of constantly failing to keep their side of the agreement, they are led as a punishment into exile. Temples destroyed, everything's wiped out. Eventually, after 70 years of captivity and exile, they're allowed to come back and rebuild. And the Old Testament leaves a restored Israel that has been rebuilt, but is really waiting and saying, okay, what's next? And an important part of this idea of what's next is that there is a promise in the Old Testament that you can find in several places that there is going to be a Messiah, that God is going to send his anointed one, his anointed leader who is going to set things right, who is going to liberate and lead his people Israel. So when we see the Old Testament leave off, they've been restored, but they're waiting for God to do something, for God to send a Messiah. And that hope that God is going to do something, that God is going to send a Messiah, that hope is what is picked up when Jesus steps onto the scene over in the New Testament. Now, Real quick, before we leave, it's important for you to get these concepts if you're going to understand the New Testament. To understand that when Jesus is preaching and teaching, the people of Israel see themselves as a people who is God's chosen people, but a people who turned their back on God and were punished. And they are very specific about saying, we have to keep the law perfectly, otherwise we will have another exile. Something like this punishment will happen again. So when Jesus comes on the scene, some of the rules that were put in place to make sure that the people don't have to go through exile again, some of those rules, some of those regulations are actually so extreme that they're hurting and harming the people. And you're going to see Jesus pushing back and correcting some of these things. And we will get further into it as we get into the New Testament. Um, but you have to understand this context. God's covenant people, they turn their back on their side of the covenant. God punishes them. God restores them. And God promises them that he will send a Messiah who will set the world right. And they are waiting for that when the New Testament picks up 400 years after the last biblical prophet speaks. Now, what we're going to talk about 
over the next couple episodes is what happens in this middle portion. These 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, what happens and how should that help us to understand the New Testament? So please like, subscribe, follow, share with friends. It really helps out the channel and we're starting out so we really need all the help that we can get. I hope you enjoy. Thank you.